Texas District Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast from and for those of us serving Jesus with the North Texas District of the Assemblies of God. Good day to you, friends. Hope you're doing well. And as I have always said, this is a family show. And today, I actually have a member of our North Texas District family here with me in the studio from the dark lands of the North Texas District, as far west as you can go. Here with me in the studio, I have Pastor Landon Henry. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. It's good to be here representing the West. You are representing the West, coming from way out West. That's right. I think you're, uh, as the crow flies, a good 240 miles from the old district office, something like mm-hmm. that. And so uh, so you are out there representing the West. So thank you for holding it down. Someone's got to do it. And sure. if one of your best friends promises you a steak dinner, you'll come. Right? That's true. That's true. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. Yeah. Oh, oh this guy's steak dinner. Actually, you didn't promise that. I'm just throwing that in for obligating me in front of the thousands and thousands now you of have ministers to do it. <laughs> who are listening to this. It's an honor to be here, man. Uh, I'm glad you're honored and I'm glad you're here. We we have you on here today. As we talk about, this is a, a real family podcast. And so family in the sense of the North Texas District family. And where I wanted to focus with you is specifically on your time, those early years when you made the jump from associate pastor to senior pastor. And so you're 39 right now, 39 years young, about to make that transition into the big 4-0 here in a few wow. months. Um, but tell us... I uh, feel like I should be grown up by now. There should be some responsibility taking place. Yeah, there should be some responsibility <laughs> taking place. And so tell us a little bit about your ministry journey to this point, uh, what you did before this, and you're at San Angelo First Assembly of God, yes, church with a great history out there in San Angelo, Texas. But tell us what you did up to the point where you transitioned into the senior pastor role. That's great, man. It's ministry for me started, of course, I grew up in a preacher's home. Yes, you did. Uh, my dad was a pastor for many years in Odessa, Texas, and Fort Stockton, Texas, and then in San Angelo, Texas. And so growing up around ministry all those years, I saw it all from, you know, from that perspective. So that was part of the preparation for ministry, I believe. But then full-time ministry for me uh, really began in 2003-ish. I lived in Plano, Texas, and I was on staff at a church uh, called Grace Outreach Center. Dr. Gerald Brooks pastors there. He's a great pastor. He's a mentor of mine, spiritual father, and really serving under him for several years. And about the year 2008, came back to San Angelo to help mom and dad. They pastored their first assembly, obviously, and just needed some staff help. We came back that year and began to serve as youth pastors and were there for a couple of years as youth pastors. You were there at the same time. That's right. Leading the Chi Alpha ministry. And um, and then you, God called you to another part of the country to lead, to pioneer Chi Alpha. And I remember us driving around the loop in San Angelo one day and you looked yes. at me and you were like, hey, um, I want you to take over my Chi Alpha ministry when I'm gone. And I was like, ha, that's funny. And you're like, I'm serious. And I was like, what? <laughs> so kind of stepped into that role. And yes. led Chi Alpha for close to four years. And that was some of the most fun I've ever had. And you did a fantastic job, too. You built on the shoddy foundation <laughs> that was left by me. And very seriously, though, the Lord breathed on that and worked through you and your staff in an incredible way over those years. Hundreds and hundreds of students came to Jesus. That was a lot of fun. I mean, just seriously, I mean, there was, there was one year in particular that we baptized someone every week. And a lot of times... Yes you know, three or four or five people and and people were being discipled. And that was just some of the most fun. And it was such a great preparation. I think God taught me so much about discipleship and ministry through Chi Alpha Mm -hmm. that is helping me be a better senior pastor now. And so I love that season of life and and ministry. And and then it was kind of in that, toward the end of that season, that my dad was transitioning out of our church to take a role with the district office and and that sort of thing. Yes. And so 
that ended the Chi Alpha journey a little bit sooner than I thought. So let's talk about that. So, so your dad, David Henry, mm-hmm. obvious hero to you, hero to me. Absolutely. Um, taught us everything we know and not everything he knows, as That's he right. would say. <laughs> and so as you came to San Angelo and as this transition was happening, was it to you, I mean, did you always assume, yeah, I'll be the senior pastor here one day? Was that something that seemed inevitable to you or not necessarily? I thought that I would senior pastor someday, somewhere. I didn't think it would happen in San Angelo, and and most mostly because I didn't really see my dad ever leaving San Angelo, you know. And so when that kind of took that that curve a little bit, and and his role changed, all of a sudden that became a huge possibility. Right. Of course, I wasn't sure if the church would want me. But, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but the way that shook out was my dad was very always just so great, and you know this. I mean, the most humble man on the planet. Right not territorial at all. He let us preach before he should have. I yes. mean, he was given us Sunday mornings that he probably regrets yeah. now. <laughs> yes. But we were able to grow and and so it was almost like before my dad even left, there was a large part of the church that was like, "Will you stay? Like, will you t- I mean, this would be great." And it was such a smooth transition. So it was smooth. That transition was smooth. You weren't one of multiple candidates or anything, but you did do the standard assemblies of God thing. You did have a tryout sermon. You were voted on. It even was officially on a Sunday night as is the holy way to do a pastoral tryout. And so take me back to that night and that day or two afterwards. What was that like for you and Sarah, your wife? Man, that um, that was nerve wracking. You know, getting voted on, and of course, I'd never had an experience like that. And there's that little bit of, will I get voted in? What what will happen if I don't? I guess we're moving. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Just, uh, I guess we're uprooting our family. And what if I get voted in barely, and almost half the people did not like me? And then would I want to stay? <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. Uh, all, all those questions. Yeah, it was it was it was nerve wracking. I remember preaching that sermon and just making a decision to not try and preach my best sermon. In fact, I just tried to honor my dad and my mom as much as possible. I remember I preached on the faithfulness of God and how God was faithful to the descendants of David because of David, right? Again and again, he said, because of my servant David, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do this for you. And he's still the same faithful God and, and just talked about how he's been faithful to our church and our family. And I remember one older gentleman came up to me after the service and he was like, I see what you did. He's just kind of winking at me. Right, yeah. <laughs> you didn't even talk about you at all. And uh, he's like, was that on purpose? I was like, yeah. Which is kind of a good way to go because whenever you're trying out, you don't want it to feel like a pony show. Right. And there is such an element of, I mean, it is, I even hate to use the language of a tryout, you know, you, but you're, you're preaching. That is the language that's used. Probably a, a wise way to go that alleviated any pressure for you to try to be someone you weren't or to try to show out a little bit. Absolutely. And there was just, there was a little bit of, I had a, a piece of my heart to some degree that it was like, look, if this isn't for me, you know, God's got this under control. I don't have to try, I don't have to try and prove myself or, you know, great perk to being there for years is they kind of knew what they were getting. Right. <laughs> the good and the bad and the ugly. And so I, I just took that opportunity to show honor and obviously just make much of Jesus and, and let, let whatever was going to happen happen, you know? Yes. And so you did that and you were voted in. And so now we're a few years down the road. And if I can interject a few things, you wouldn't. Let me frame where we're at. Um, six years in now? Six, six years. years this month. Pastor? Wow. July of 2013. Yeah, six years, July of 2013. And so my first Sunday mm-hmm. was the July 4th weekend. 
of 2013. So you began with like the lowest attendance day. It was a ghost town. Wow, nice. You felt so <laughs> supported, didn't you? And I thought, I killed the church in one week. Great. Good job. Good job. But you haven't killed the church. The church has grown. And I'll say this uh, because you won't and you shouldn't, but the church has grown by hundreds. The Lord is doing something fantastic there. Uh, lots of people have come to know Jesus at St. Angelo First Assembly over the last six years. But I, I want you to keep thinking in the vein of that early year or two, what are some things that surprised you? And and I let you know a little bit of the direction. So you listeners, so if you're listening, you'll know, I told Landon, I said, I want to talk about some surprises that came your way whenever you pastored, sort of those things that were like, uh, I, this is a challenging surprise. And then some of those things that are unexpected. I didn't know this would be this good surprises. So let's talk about challenges first. What's one of the challenges that came your way? You know, I can, I can honestly say it. I feel like I was as prepared as you could possibly be without ever serving in that role just because of the mentors that we've had. My dad, Gerald, Brooks, they were very they, they let us be in rooms we did not deserve to be in, to hear conversations we didn't deserve to hear. I mean, my dad was even letting me come to board meetings the last couple of years and just learning and you know, he bought me the book, uh, Robert's Rules of Order for Dummies. And he was like, figure this out. You know, so like there was a lot of preparation work uh, that went in there. But at the same time, I can't even describe how inadequate I felt just making that transition. And I remember after getting voted in, and it wasn't a unanimous vote, by the way, but you know, it was enough to get me in the, in the door. But okay, we can't all be Ryan DeBose. We can't all be Ryan DeBose, who was voted in unanimously. I was at that church whenever he tried out, and I was part of that stewarding process. And so when he was voted on and, and sort of came to the back room, I said, "Do you want to know?" And he said, "No." And I said, "No, this time you do because it's the only time this is ever going to happen." And so Ryan voted in unanimously. We and we hate you for it. Way to go, bro. So what was it like that first Sunday? You know, that first Sunday, I, I'll never forget, even just sort of getting ready for church that morning. Uh, I'm, I'm standing in the bathroom, and, um, you know, it's early that Sunday morning, and I don't know why this it was this moment, but I remember standing in front of my sink, looking in the mirror, and this, like, weight, it's hard to describe. And I think probably every lead pastor, senior pastor knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's just this this weight of responsibility mm-hmm. that felt like physical. It was so heavy. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like my knees were going to buckle. You know, you can think that you, you can think you know, hey, when I become the senior pastor, I'm going to feel some responsibility that I don't feel. But you don't really know until you know. Right. You know, and I remember standing there thinking, oh, my gosh. The buck stops here. If this goes well, God gets the glory. If it goes bad, they're blaming me. You know, <laughs> it was just that, um, and they're not going to blame anybody else but me. And I don't know how true that is, but that's how I felt. Sure, in that moment. And of course, the enemy is going to maybe try and pile on a little bit uh, and remind you of all the ways that you're inadequate and you know all your insecurities start flaring up. I remember just having to pray really hard to get out of the bathroom that morning and, yeah. and to, to make it up to the church to preach that first day. And then it didn't help that there were 17 people there because yeah, it was 4th of yeah, July weekend. 4th of July, baby. And I was like, yay. And here on top of that, I'll always remember when I became pastor because it's the same week that my son was born. Right. right. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad life was simple and there was nothing else going on. Exactly. So my wife gives birth to our fourth child, Joseph. And literally two days later, I'm preaching my first sermon as pastor in a total fog, exhausted. Like, have you ever been so tired that you hear yourself talking, but it sounds like you're in another room listening to yourself talk? (laughs) Yes. Yes. So there was a lot of emotions and there was a lot of just uh, emotional 
I remember having a lot of emotional like turmoil, you know, leading up to that. Like, is this the right place? And is this is this where guys is where you want me? Do the people want me to be here? Uh, a lot of them do, but some of them maybe they don't. And you know, there was just a lot of stuff I was working through. And and Sarah is like, do I want to be a senior pastor's wife? Because she saw how good my mom was. My mom was like, right. The greatest is the greatest senior mm-hmm. pastor's wife on planet Earth, you know, and she's like showing a bit, throwing a baby shower for every every new mom in the church and just going above and beyond. And you know what I mean? Yes. So living up to that kind of pressure and and obviously just honestly just not trying try not to destroy everything. <laughs> right. So there's that sense, the challenge of just that the weight insecurities that come out as you step into it. Uh, not that we're going to stay in the in the bad challenge area, but but what else? What was another what was another wrench thrown at you as you stepped into the senior pastor chair? Yeah, I don't I don't I th- I think I underestimated how all-consuming the financial like responsibility would be or feel because there's nothing a youth pastor or an associate thinks about less than the budget. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I I never lost sleep on Sunday nights, you know, when I was the youth pastor, uh, because of what the offering was on Sunday. In fact, I never thought about it. You know, hey, Landon, what? how much money is in your youth account? $73. What are you going to do? Well, we're going to have a pizza party. It's going to be amazing. I mean, that was the extent of right. <laughs> yes. uh, the responsibility <laughs> I felt. Yeah. And, um, and I've, I've told you this story before, but the first year that I was senior pastor of SAF, I was given a giving report giving statement and of our our top 10 givers the year before half of them left so out nice. of the out of the 10 families i lost five of our top 10 giving families right and and you know and and some of it was like good like it was like hey this person got a promotion and moved to san antonio and this family uh took a job here or there and so it was it was some good things but it was also you know one of our greatest givers he retired so his from being one of our best givers, you know, he was still giving, but it was significantly less. Right. And then, and then I, you know, pretty soon into being the pastor, I had to fire someone, Yes. which I had no choice about. It was just a, an attitude thing. It was very toxic. And it was kind of one of those moves that you make that everyone's thankful you did it kind of moves, Mm -hmm. but their family gone. And then a couple of families that were connected to them left too. Yes. So no one thinks everyone's like, I wish you'd fire that guy, but they don't think about three of your biggest giving families leaving with them. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, but here's what's cool. And I've shared this with you, but I'll remember this for the rest of my life. I remember getting that report that day and seeing the the five families that left and, you know, the depression started creeping in and, and the fear. And then I noticed that the other five families in that top 10, to the person they're giving for that year doubled. Wow. You can't make that up. No, you can't. And that's not a coincidence. No, it's not. It's it's almost like God was just blessing them for staying, mm-hmm. you know, and just thanks for sticking. Thanks with for us. sticking with 33 us. 33-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean but but phenomenal like so, you know, I, I thank God for that. We never we never missed a beat. The giving didn't like grow grow, but we didn't lose anything even with all those families leaving. So it was it was positive. We were moving forward. And it was like that comforting, like God's like, hey, I, I got you. And you needed to know that. Yes, you? absolutely. Mean, stepping into it, especially because I could see it being really 
seeing those top five givers leave, you thinking, oh Lord, I'm here and now you're not going to provide for me. What a powerful testimony. That's exactly what that is. That is a testimony Absolutely. of God's faithfulness. Absolutely. Anytime, and I, and I saw this growing up, anytime someone would leave, God always filled that gap. He always replaced that family with another family, and it was always better. I saw my parents kind of, even when people left in a bad way and I mean, they told lies and they stirred up drama, uh, my parents were always... What people? Not God's people. No. No. Never that. Okay. <laughs> One thing I can say about my parents is they're so God, you know, just like patient and long-suffering. And my dad's the kind of guy, I'll walk with you for 20 years until we get this right. And I lean a little bit more toward the, hey, be warm, be fed, be gone. Mm-hmm. I'll see you in heaven if you yeah. make it, you know, like, <laughs> so I have to like try and be a little more pastoral yeah. uh, like them. But all those years of watching people leave and they just did the right thing and said the right thing, God always took care of the church. So you see God come through on that, on that giving in. That was probably, hey, God really is the provider. We talked about some of those, I guess you'd call them negative challenges, even though you see God's faithfulness. What have been some of the pleasant surprises of pastoring from the lead chair? You know, this is kind of this is kind of a both. This is a like a good surprise and a bad surprise at the same. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was surprised by some of the people who liked me, and I was surprised by some of the people who didn't like me. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, one of the I guess advantages was being in that church before I became the senior pastor. So they knew me, I knew them, and there were some people in our church that gave honestly gave my dad kind of a hard time, and I was kind of dreading. Great. When I become the lead pastor, I'm going to have to deal with them. Right. Now I'm in the, the hot seat. They're going to be targeting me. What's funny is like those have become some of my greatest supporters, you know? <laughs> and I was surprised. Like, really? Wait, 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 wait. You're on board? You you love me? You like us? And it's all, I don't know if for them it was like a new start. Like, hey, I, gotta, I wasn't the best church member before. Conviction hit. Here's a chance to hit reset. I think so. And it's almost they've. It's been surprising how supportive some of those people have been. It's like it was a new day. It was a new chance to do it the right way. And maybe they had some regrets and you know didn't honor the dad. Maybe I can honor the son and you know like we can see this church grow. And so that was surprising. But I was also surprised at some of the people who didn't like me. Really, like some of the people I thought would be the most supportive weren't. You know, it's like some of the couples that were like so sweet to my parents. They became demon possessed when it came to, <laughs> to interacting <Right>. with me. <laughs> and I'm, are you saved? Like, what? Where'd this come from? Right. Like, uh, people who didn't complain for ten years, all of a sudden they're like, "We haven't done a hymn in a while." You know, right. I'm like, oh, "Okay, we haven't done a hymn in ten years." You know, like, "Yeah, why I just, now?" I just got here. Yeah, why, why are you bringing this up now? You know, so that was a surprise. I knew, and I, I heard plenty of sort of doomsday, you know, cautionary tales from other people. Don't don't be surprised when half your church leaves when you take over. It's right. normal. Don't take it personally. I'm right. like, how would I not take that personally? Yeah. <laughs> um, and there, there was some fallout, but honestly, not a, not a lot. Like, I, other than those families that I mentioned, I, I really can't think of many more people that left during that transition. Which is simply an encouragement that it doesn't always go the same way. Exactly. Like, I, I guess don't be surprised if there's an exodus, because um, for some people it's a strike against you that you were not the guy that was in the chair before, so you come in with a strike and a foul tip after that. But, yeah, I, I, I did enjoy watching that with you. It's not necessarily the case that you have to expect the worst. I had one pastor tell me, you know, when you become pastor, so many, so, so many people are going to leave. It's going to feel like a church plant, but at least you'll have a paid-for building. 
Nice. Wow. Nice. Can we hug? Because yeah. that's like the most encouraging thing I've ever heard. Right. <laughs> right. And then they followed that up with, and then probably a year later, there'll be another wave of people who leave because, you know, they'll have stayed with you for a year and done their duty and then they'll bounce. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm just going to quit now. <laughs> you should just leave. But it didn't happen that way. And I think God was just in it, man. He was preparing hearts and there was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of people that saw what the Lord did in our Chi Alpha ministry. In, in San Angelo, our Chi Alpha and our church are very connected. Right. I mean, it's Chi Alpha, it's our, we don't have a young adults group or a college group and Chi Alpha is an option. It's like, the second half of your senior year, we're taking you to Chi Alpha. Right. You know, we're driving you there. And it's very tied in. People in our church are cooking meals for college students. And, you know, I remember one night uh, our whole church board was on the back row of our Chi Alpha service. They were up there cooking a meal, and they came in and watched. I mean, our sanctuary is packed full of college students, and they're thinking, wow, like this is uh, – God's doing something. And there was some excitement, like, could God do that in our church too? I mean, that'd be mm-hmm. that'd be great. But here's what's interesting. There was all that excitement, and then when I became pastor, it changed. For some people, it was like, well, now it's going to become a Chi Alpha church. You know, like, you know, it became a negative <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. And I was, like, blown away by that, and that, I tried so hard. The, that's part of the whole whole adage that, uh, that Gerald Brooks has said we've heard from him, where he just says, you have to remember, people go to a church because they like the way it is. Mm. Even if they just like having something to complain about and somewhere to complain, they yeah. like things the way it is. And so any sort of change is change and sometimes pushed against. That's so true. I can totally see why if you were the older generation, you might be afraid. A younger pastor comes in, it's going to be different. I tried not to change much. My dad had set up the church in such a way that Man, we didn't have to change anything. He he kind of fought a lot of the fights and went through a lot of the hard things. And by the time that we took it over, it was like ready to go. It was like right. a launching pad. And so he was very strategic and wise in that way. And um, he basically run off all the people I would have had to run off. <laughs> right. Good Already. job. Good, Good job, job David Dad. Henry. Yeah. And the other thing I would say is I don't think I was ready for the spiritual attack. You know, at the risk of you know going too far there. But you know, I remember Saturdays where it just felt like the world was coming against me, like even just negative thoughts and, you know, time seasons of like depression and mm-hmm. my my family is going through things. And, and I'm not sure why that is, but it almost felt like maybe we're a little bit bigger of a target now. And, you know, if, if uh, you know, it's the whole, if you strike the shepherd, you scatter the sheep thing and just working through some of those challenges that I don't think when we're on staff, we think about how many inner battles our senior pastor, our leader, and his family are are facing, right? You know, and some of the pressure that they're dealing with. And if I could go back, I'd pray a lot harder for the senior pastors I served under. And it's not to say that everyone isn't under spiritual attack, or every staff member doesn't have their challenges too. But for me, it was heightened, right? I mean, the pressure was greater. It seemed like the adversity in the, the in a spiritual sense was greater with that transition. And so yeah. I don't know how is that. It, is that the most discouraging thing you could possibly hear? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's I think it's something that you hear it at every conference you ever go to, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And um, I think it can be the case sometimes that whenever you're itching to finally step out and lead yourself um, in the sense of, I'm ready to lead my own ministry, I would like to be a senior pastor. If you're not careful whenever you want to make that transition, you can actually become the worst possible staff member because mm. you're looking at things so critically, in part out of a good heart, you 
want to make it better. God's doing something in you and you're stirred with vision and everything. But sometimes because you don't have the perspective that comes from experience, you can be making wrong assumptions. So true. And most definitely, um, what you said about praying a lot harder, you're from that chair. Sometimes you're looking at just the way things can be better. You're not thinking about what's going on in the hearts of your, of your senior leader. Wow. Wow. That is so true. They've got a bigger picture that they're looking at, and they've got more people that, that they're thinking of. And uh, a lot of times, they've been down the road that that you want to go down, or you think the church needs to go down. They've already been down that road, and they know how it ends. And yeah, there was a lot of things that I was like, much more like, this is the way it's going to be. And if we just do this, it's sure. work. Time to lower the boom, Pastor. <laughs> if you know what to do here, it's time for you to pull the trigger. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. And I, I called my... I've, probably called my dad at least 10 times over, over the years and just said, sorry. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, Hey, I had no idea. Sorry. You were great. Thank you for, thanks for being patient with me. Yeah. <laughs> and he would just laugh, you know, yeah. but yeah, that's, that's true. You have no idea. You mentioned earlier, just the unexpected joys yeah. of this. Yeah. I think one of them for, for me has just been the joy of, of seeing entire families come to Christ. Right. And that's the goal, obviously. I saw 13-year-olds come to Jesus or college students, or but to watch a dad get saved and then a mom and all the kids and the uncle and the cousin, and like I can look out across our church now, and it started with one person, right? and now they have a whole row you know, of like extended family and just one person brought one person and they brought somebody and they brought somebody and it just like this chain domino effect yes. of entire families coming to Christ has been one of the coolest things mm. I think I'll ever see. Right. And that's that's been an incredible joy. And even just the the variety of people. That's something about your church that I have enjoyed whenever we've gotten to come back and visit is you have, I don't know exactly what the demographics of San Angelo, Texas are across the board, but I imagine that most of it is represented at your church. You just have yeah. an incredible diversity of age, ethnicity, socioeconomics, I believe as well. Yes. Um, you real the Lord has saved a lot of different people from white collar to uh, murder tear tattoos, multiple <laughs> yes. tattoos on the face that supposedly are how many people you've used your AK on. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really have had a Absolutely. variety of yeah. Yes. And I've always said even from the pulpit, this would if this tr- if everyone in this church looked like me, this would be a boring church. Yeah, uh, we don't want an all white church, and we right. don't want an all young church or all old church. Like, let's be multi generational. Let's be multi ethnic, and and uh, I will I will say there's there's probably more Hispanic people in our church than white, and even like the African American population has grown, and and uh, which I love, and uh, I, I think that's beautiful, and it's great because you know you'll give an altar call on a an invitation for salvation on a Sunday, and you got a business leader in the community walk in the aisle with tears streaming down his face right next to a guy with neck tattoos. Right. You know, and it's just, it's incredible. And man. this is no exaggeration. I mean, this, no. this is, it, it really is an incredible thing. And that's, and that's the kingdom because we're all going to be in heaven worshiping mm-hmm. together. And I think your church should look like heaven. Right. 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 And that's, and that's been an incredible joy to witness. So we're um, closing it down here, running out of time. But Landon, listening to this, maybe maybe they're on the treadmill, maybe they're doing dishes, maybe they're driving out on the highways of the North Texas district that is probably more reasonably in the West Texas district somehow. Tell me this, what advice 
would you give to an associate pastor, a, a youth or children's pastor, somebody who's looking at what the Lord's done in their life so far, where they are, and they're grateful, but they feel like it's time to senior pastor? There, there are plenty of us who never want to do that. There are plenty of us who feel like that is something I want to do. For the person who does, what advice would you give them for where they are now? That's a great question. Um, I think I would say to follow like you would want to be followed. You know, support your pastor the way you would want to be su- supported someday, maybe someday soon, because it will all come back around. You know, I, I do believe we reap what we sow, you know, and God's going to send the kind of people to you. Uh, that you were to the people that you served. And I think when the day comes that you're in that lead pastor position, you I promise you, you will value loyalty. You will value staff members who have positivity and, and have faith and uh, staff members who come to you with solutions and not just problems. Yes. That's huge, right? Yeah. You'll value staff members who come back from like the greatest conference of the year with encouragement about how great your church is doing. Not just things that we stink at. Yes. You know, and we need this $50,000 screen or we're lost. We're never going to reach anyone ever again. No one will come to Jesus <laughs> with a projector. We need an LED wall now. Come on. Right. So if I could go back in time and be a staff member who believed for the finances, you know, who prayed for offerings and, you know, raised money and didn't just find creative ways to spend money, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd go back and do that. And then the last thing I'd say is, and there's so much you could say, right? But yes. I would just encourage people to just think as think as big picture as you can, right? Because so many times as as staff members, we're we're like specialists, right? We just we do our thing, and we try and do it as well. And thank you for doing what you do, you know. Those of you who are listening, thank you for serving where you serve and serving high school students and you know preschool kids and wherever you're serving, uh, leading worship, all those things. Uh, we need you, but I think it's rare to find youth pastors who are trying to make the kids' ministry better. Right. Right. And worship leaders uh, that are that are trying to help the youth ministry. And, you know, so to think big picture, not just to think about how can I make my thing great, but how can we lift the whole church? Absolutely. Right. That is such an important thing. That's so life-giving to the culture of a staff. Yes. As, as opposed to somebody who... Uh, is, as you're saying, only concerned about their area and sort of breathing in frustration and uh, sometimes rebellion. But to to be a team player because you want to see the team do well is such a life-giving thing to have on staff. I will say that the staff that we're blessed with at, at SAF... You've got a good one. Man, they're good. I, I feel like these are things that I, we get to see happen because of these incredible people that I get to serve with, and, and I want that for every senior pastor out there, you know? And they deserve that. Well, friends, thank you for listening today. Landon, thank you for spending time on the, on the old North Texas District Leadership Podcast. Thanks for having me. Let's go get that steak. Let's go get that steak. I am hungry. You were hungry. It is, uh, it is in the afternoon, and neither one of us have eaten today. So, friends, bless you wherever you are in the North Texas District or God's wide world. Pray you have another great week serving Jesus and his bride, the local church.